put it over here. Oh, all no, of just, no, oh, no, just no, 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 just that. that. Oh, okay. If that's okay? Yeah. That way it'll be at, uh, Make yourself at home. Wow, that was nasty. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> this, is your, this is your home for today. Right. No, it's a great home. Um, and uh, we're recording. Great. Let's go, man. Yeah, you've been psyched. I'm super psyched. I am psyched. I, I love talking about this stuff. And you know, this is National Educators Week. It is? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Let's so, honor those good people. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it by talking right now with Mr. Christopher Barnes. Hey, buddy. English, <laughs> English teacher extraordinaire yeah. at uh, Northern Lehigh High School. Mr. Barnes, Mr. B. Hi. How are you? You can call me Chris. Okay. Please. All right. Well, you know, it's weird coming back because, uh, wow, Thomas Barnes Real Estate? Yeah, that was my dad. Was it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's a really old-fashioned, handmade, handmade sign from the 50s. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking around the room, okay, and, and when we uh, post some of the pictures from uh, on Instagram and, and links to, to the Twitter feed, I'm going to post some of the things... This is not your conventional schoolroom, by by my standards. These aren't the nope. schoolrooms. I I see Gene Simmons. I see the the great Bella Lugosi as Dracula. Lots of Iron yeah. Maiden posters. Absolutely. Uh, lots of cool dioramas that were created actually by you said some of the students here, correct? Yeah, that's an old mystery story project I had. All right, and uh, the Raven. Yeah, one of the greatest poems ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's that way on purpose. To me, that's a classroom management tool. Are you? The, is that with Eddie Trunk? Yeah, Eddie Trunk and Mike Portnoy. Really? From Dream Theater and the Winery Dogs. Yeah, my yeah. favorite drummer. I love the Winery Dogs. Do you really? Oh, absolutely. Did you see them at Penn's Peak? No, okay. I didn't. I, I knew they were coming and it oh, was yeah. something that I couldn't do, but uh, but I, I love, love Eddie Trunk. Too. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah. I met them back in 13. Did you? Yeah. Bring back that uh, bring back that metal show, please. Oh, I wish. Yeah. He's my son's favorite drummer, too. Really? Mike Portnoy. Yeah, great, great stuff. So uh, I decided to speak with uh, Mr. Barnes not because it was National Education Week, but because um, it's uh, teaching is a profession that uh, is not overlooked per se. Uh, but reading your uh, Twitter feed, reading uh, the, the the things that my kids have talked about. Now you didn't uh, teach either one of my daughters, but no. you have a reputation here. Uh, in the school district as being someone that kind of thinks a little bit out of the box um, in terms of your teaching style. And that's why I wanted to talk to you. How, um, and the first question I usually ask everybody um, that I get a chance to interview is, what was your pathway to becoming a teacher? I never wanted to be a teacher. No? No. I was uh, in journalism for uh, seven years. I started off as a uh, reporter in Quakertown. That was my internship, and I always wanted to be a writer. But my father, who was more of a realist, said, you're not gonna make any money as a writer. And he was probably right. So I ended up graduating with a professional writing degree from Kutztown, and I interned in, in Quakertown at a, an old newspaper called the Free Press. Wow, for sure. A weekly, and it was, it's been there for centuries. It was there for centuries, it's not there anymore. Wow. It's gone. Uh, and they had eventually brought in another newspaper called the Saucon News, and I was the editor of both of those papers for about seven years. And I sort of saw where the journalism business was going, and it was either stay in this and work 24 hours a day, and if I ever have a family or a wife, never see them, and be dedicated to the news, or get out and maybe give my dad's idea a shot. So I did. So I went back to school to get my teacher certificate while still working at the newspaper. And then I student taught. Um, and 
started working, thankfully, um, here at the middle school, at the Northern Lehigh Middle School. They had three people retire at the same time from English. And I thought my odds of getting a job were going to be perfect. So they hired me at the middle school, and I started off loving the job immediately and had been there for 11 years until this year when they moved me um, over to the high school. And it's my 12th year in education. And uh, do you think it was, uh, do, <laughs> do, do you thank your father uh, for uh, the advice that he gave you all those years ago? Was, Absolutely, it's yeah. It's been rewarding, hasn't it? Fathers are all, well, fathers are mostly right, yeah. And uh, my, yeah. my dad was right about that. He always saw something in me, and he wanted more out of his kids than he ever had in his life. It was a very successful real estate broker, but he wanted more out of his kids. And he, he saw something in me that he thought I should be giving back at some different avenue than, than writing. And yeah, it's been the greatest job ever. And I, I, I love it. I tell these students every day for 12 years, I love this job every day. I think they can see that I love this job every day. And even though I have bad days, it's just, it's the most immediate rewarding job out there where when I had a newspaper and I wrote an opinion column that someone didn't like, I may hear some feedback in a week and then run their letter and then that was it. Here, it's immediate feedback, good, bad, indifferent. I'm making so many connections with kids that uh, I used to know at 12 years old, now they're in their mid-20s in the army, uh, working as a bioengineer, just still seeing them in town it's just amazing to make those connections and i get excited every night that i have to come to school the next day where way too many people hate their job and way too many teachers hate their job too uh it's a real unfortunate thing but my dad was right and uh 12 years in still love it seriously every single day and i love that i can be me if you look around this is me you are yeah that's that's the the point that i with the photos as well that i took um everything here reflects obviously who you are and 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 the the fact that the district allows that as well you know i always thank them for that yeah i always am very thankful that they allow me they don't stifle me at all they allow me to be me and if you look around a lot of not not that i'm putting down any other districts but a lot of districts would not allow this not that it's anything offensive, but a lot no, no, of no, districts. No, 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 and I don't, I don't mean to say that. But no, I know. But it has the feel of more like a, like you were saying earlier, a little more like a dorm room uh, than than an actual classroom. Yeah. And uh, not that there are beanbag chairs around, but you do have a little corner here. The the original desk that we were going to put this on is actually a drum because yep. you're a drummer as yep, well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know that that kind of feel. The challenges that that come with being a teacher must be different between middle school and say high school. Now, this is your first transitional year into teaching high school English. How did you have to prepare for that? I'm still preparing for it, to really? be honest. Yeah, um, it's what October, early October. Um, I'm still preparing for it. This is it's been a really um, interesting shock to the system because you spend 11 years teaching 12 and 13 year olds, and that's a whole different dynamic. Um, with the and, way you talk to and them, middle, and middle school is a, is a for me that was always the that was those were the difficult times. I had a great time in high school. I yeah. wasn't one of those kids that didn't like high school. I loved high school. I loved the people that I hung around with. Middle school, by the way, eighth grade was always like the worst one for me. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the worst grade. So that transition, there's a lot of things going on with kids. So once they get here, you're talking about possibly already you know, molding those futures, yeah. you know, a little bit. So, how, again, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's all right. What's been easy, though, about it is all the students I have now, I had. 
as seventh graders. Right. So that's a really interesting part of my transition where I'm, I'm the new old guy. I'm new here, but I, they've had me, they've known me. Right. Very few of the students, I have maybe five students right now that I had never met before, and all the rest have had me. So now I get to see them as 10th as graders or as seniors for some of my public speaking courses or uh, classes. But it's been a really easy transition with that. I've known them before. So, Fascinating. Yeah, and it really has helped out. They're not like... Because that way they're used to my style. Because I'm a very loud, obnoxious, <laughs> sarcastic, jokey um, teacher. But I'm also, thanks to my father, I am very strict, but not in the strict sense that these kids are used to. I don't yell, and I haven't yelled for seven years since I had a kid. Mm. I yelled before that because I sort of thought you had to do that. That's how they sort of prep you, I guess. They don't prep you very much to teach, I think, in college. You can't be prepped until you start student teaching. And even when you have your first job, now I'm getting off track, I'm sorry. No, please do. This is exactly the kind of conversation because I wanted to know what that was like when you're, it's, it's much different sitting in front of a, a classroom while you're learning to become a teacher. Now all of a sudden it's showtime, right? So yeah. what, what, what was that like? Looking back on college, they don't, you get nothing about teaching in those courses. And, and no disrespect to the college uh, course level, it's just, um, they don't teach you the preparation. They don't teach you how to handle certain situations. What's going to happen with parents' involvement? What's going to happen with administration? How school boards work? It was all just pretty much how to make a huge nine-page lesson plan to teach one little poem, which is, to me, not how you teach a poem. It was more of the mechanics than the interactions and how you handle yourself as a professional, which is sometimes funny coming from me with Iron Maiden posters and a three-foot cardboard head yeah. of me looming down in the front. But once you're a teacher and you have that job, your first year you're trying to be accepted, you're trying to be cool, you're trying to be funny, you're trying to be lax. You want them to like you. And then, depending on the grade level, they will take advantage of you based on how um, much you allow them to get away with. And then your second and third year, you start to look back on what you did your first year. And you change things, you tweak things, you still try to be cool, but not as much as a friend. You forget that you're not their friend, you are their teacher, mm -hmm. and you need to be more strict with your rules and your uh, routines. The fourth year, you look back on those first three, and you really start to hone in your beliefs. You start to really get your routines down, your management styles down. You realize what you did wrong, what you could have done better. And then I believe in your fifth year, you become a teacher. I don't think you become a good teacher until your fifth year, no matter how much preparation you thought you did in college. Because you need those four years under your belt to really understand what this job is about. From the workload to the parents saying, how dare you have this on a Friday when my kid has church uh, classes on a Sunday, which how would I know that? To um, administration asking why you're doing something a certain way, which thankfully I never had that here going back to a very good administration who allows me to be me as a teacher, which is the best. I'm so thankful. Um, but after five years, you become a teacher to me, and then you start your career after those first four years in the job as prep, I think. How um, We recently got a new superintendent here uh, at the school, and uh, how has that change uh, come about, and has it been has it been productive for you? And and what happens in a situation like that? Do curriculums change? Do um, 
you know, no one ever wanted to go see the superintendent, no one ever wanted to go see the principal. But I would imagine that when someone new comes in, some things do change. And has that been the case? Yeah, uh, for the better, though. Um, Matt Link, he came, I believe, from Kutztown. And he's a, is a, he's a very visible guy. He's around. You see him. He's uh, rarely in the office. He's always um, visiting different schools and over here and checking out what we're doing and, and welcoming us and, and introducing people um, that maybe we hadn't met before. And that, to me, is what a, a good administration does. They, they get out. They, they talk to us. <clears throat> they ask what we're doing, and, and they, they let us know that they like what we're doing. And, yeah, the transition has been great. He, he has a really cool vibe about him, and um, it was his idea to move me. I did not want to be moved. I loved the middle school. I loved the age group of 12 and 13-year-olds. Hmm. A lot of people, when they found out I taught middle school, they would say, oh, I'm so sorry. And I said, well, don't. Well, I just did. Right. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I loved it. Tough. I that loved everything tough. about it. No, it was the best. Because um, I'm like a 39-year-old middle school kid. I get along with them well. I relate to them well. I'm goofy. They're goofy. My attention span is minimal <laughs> at best. And theirs is too. So we got along really well. I'm very real with them, I think. I don't talk to them like a teacher. I don't call them children. I just try to be real. You're 10 to 14 years into this now, Yes. Correct? You were a much younger man uh, when you started teaching. Middle 27. School. Right. So now, how is that, how is your age and becoming a father um, affected your role as a teacher? That's been does the best. It, does it change it? Oh, 100%. Being a father, yeah, hundred um, percent. I was, I got married the the year I got uh, hired. I was twenty seven, and I got married to my fantastic wife Andrea, and we've been married now twelve years. Come this October twenty seventh, I hope it could be eleven. I'm I'm really bad with the numbers. <laughs> I think it's twelve. So, um, it was a rough go about it when I was younger because again I had those four, first four years when you're learning your role as a teacher then that fifth year I really became who I was as a teacher and took it from there when I became a father everything changes and they always told me that when you become a father everything will change and I always thought yeah whatever okay and then I became a father and lo and behold everything changes and your yeah. perspective on everything changes I think it alters your DNA I really do. Like, I, I, I just said it, you know, the same thing. It's like, well, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they, she, my daughter, my oldest daughter was born. They handed, it, handed her to me. And like that, something completely altered. You know, it really does change. It does. I have not, though. It changed me as a, as a better teacher. I think, I think becoming a teacher made me a better parent or at least prepared me to be a better parent. And I think becoming a parent helps me be a better teacher because as I'm teaching, I'm able to really think about how somebody would be talking to my son. And since I've become a father seven and a half years ago, I haven't yelled. Not that I was ever much of a yeller. I was never a yeller, but there were moments that I got really angry at the way people were talking or the way they were disrespecting my rules. And I became very almost personally attacked by that. And then you realize that these kids aren't personally attacking me by disrespecting my rules. They're just kids. They're, they don't know how to respect certain rules. They don't want to respect certain rules, but it's not about me, which, of course, I sometimes think everything is. But becoming a father helped me because 
I could now view all of these kids in my classroom as, not to sound cheesy, but as my own son, because I would never want any teacher to look down upon my kids or yell at my kids or flip out on my kids in front of a whole class of kids. And since then, it's, I, becoming a father made me a better teacher because I became a lot more patient mm -hmm. and a lot more relaxed with how I talk with them. And if they start to misbehave, it's not, here's your detention. It's not, get out of my room. It's, why are you misbehaving? Can we fix this some other way and get you to hopefully enjoy your time in this room? Yeah, and it's not, it's not for everybody. Math was always the subject that I dreaded. Me too. Dreaded math. English, social studies, science. I'm more interested in the sciences now than I was growing up. Mm -hmm. but, but English and, and social studies were my, where I loved. So I looked forward to going to those classes. They're, they're just little people, you know? And yeah. There are people that we all know that, that could care less about sitting down and reading a book. But, you know, get out the maths and they'll, they'll be right into it. Yeah. And um, I guess my question is, is how do you, how do you, draw, those, how do you draw those students into that world? Um, that's, got to, that's a challenge. I mean, you're, you, you have challenges on a daily basis to, to, mm -hmm. to pull certain students in. There's gotta be students that can't wait to come to your class and otherwise uh, students that don't. Absolutely. How do you pull those kids in? Number one was what you did when you walked in here. You walked through my door and you started looking around. And that to me is, the, the whole aspect of my room like this, other than to make myself feel at home, away from home, is that this is all classroom management. I want my kids to walk through that door and think this is gonna be a wild ride. <laughs> I don't know what to expect every day even the kids who have known me since they've been 12, they're still not sure what they're going to get out of me in the 86 minutes that they're with me each day. Mm -hmm. With the block scheduling, it's a long period of time. That's a long time. It is. It's a film. It's a, that's what I say. It's a movie. Exactly. Yeah. It goes by fast some days, and other days it sort of does drag on. It depends on the weather. If it's a nice day, it goes faster, and those rainy, misty mornings, it just seems to take forever to get out of here. But walking through my door to me is classroom management. They see that I care about this place. They see that I care about having fun and being different. And a lot of these kids don't know, one, who they are yet. And if they are sure of who they are, they're not sure they're allowed to be who they are in this world as very young people. Even at the middle school, I realized that. So I want them to see, once they see my teaching style, once they see the stuff around them, from the weird posters to the, the funny-looking head of me looming down to the patriotic stuff, the POW flag, that there is a weird, twisted seriousness about who someone is that you really shouldn't be shy about. And you can be proud to show off who you are and share those things. Because they will ask me on a daily basis, what does that poster mean? Because I say everything in here has a story. Whether it's a pirate flag or the Palmia flag, or the brains poster, or me looking down. There's two of them yeah, on either yeah. end. Yeah, one with a Mets hat, I mean. Absolutely. <laughs> but there's a, there's, a, there's a great lesson behind that, which is loyalty. I've been a Mets fan since age seven, and it's all about being loyal to your team and sticking behind them through all the thick and thin, just like with Rocky, yeah. the underdog. Yeah, you got to vote for the underdog. So there is literally <clears throat> a lesson behind everything you could see in this room. And to me, that's all how I can draw them in. And if I can get them to want to come in here, want to sit in this ridiculously uncomfortable seat Ugh. for 86 minutes, then that's, to me, three quarters of the battle. That they'll listen to whatever I have to say. 
And if I say, here's our book we're reading, they're thinking, all right, well, this guy is going to teach us this book. I can deal with that. Let's see what happens. Speaking of, what are we studying now? We just finished an amazing book in uh, 10th grade called Iron Man, which is the kind of book that these kids need. It's about a, a boy who is in, a uh, boy, a uh, freshman in high school, who um, gets kicked off his high school football team for calling his, his coach um, the a, uh, an a-hole. Okay. And he gets kicked off, and he has to go into anger management in school. And this is one of those schools that has an anger management therapy group as a class which I think is so necessary in schools these days. I wish these kids had a place to go where they felt safe to vent, to get stuff off their chest, to feel safe to talk about things, but it was like an actual class. And the book travels through this, this uh, young man's name is Bo. The book travels his journey toward uh, harnessing his anger in different ways other than rage. And he does that through uh, training to be an Ironman athlete. Oh, wonderful. From uh, yeah. running, uh, swimming, and biking. And he has a very, not neglectful father, he has a very harsh, strict, demeaning father that unfortunately some of these kids can relate to. Mm-hmm. He has a great teacher who he looks up to that some of these kids can relate to. The teacher turns out to be gay, which makes this kid feel a little weird, and he's not sure why which some of these kids can relate to, whether they know someone who's gay or whether they're gay themselves or not sure. It's an amazing relation for that. Wow, coming of age for sure. It's the best book. Great great book. Who wrote it? Chris Crutcher. Okay. He's written a few different books about youth and about feelings and emotions. And I actually taught that twice at the middle school level before I came over here. And over there, another great example of how this district allows me to do what I want They allowed me to choose a new book. We had some money one year, and I was told, hey, go choose a new book, which I'm so thankful for because no offense to The Great Gatsby, no offense to The Pearl, but these classics that we sometimes teach, and I'm not going to get off track too much here. Do it. But these these classics that we teach, I, I sometimes question why they're classics. Like one day someone woke up and said, The Great Gatsby is a classic, and everyone from that point on agreed and said okay sure it's a classic and they still teach the great Gatsby fine you can teach it but where are we or where are my students grabbing on to a character in the great Gatsby they're not in my opinion now some people are get they get very offended by that and they get very offended when I say we need new classics but these kids need Iron Man they need a book that they can grab onto the character. A lot of these students, when I was just, I just got done teaching it Friday, a lot of them start opening up about being right. gay. Right, I was going to say. Or abused. It sounds contemporary. Oh, uh, where, I mean, listen, I am, I am of the Gatsby camp. I'm following the Great American Read that's going on through PBS and, and oh, the cool. library systems now. And when they when they had the list out and some of the, the books, that, whoa, some of the books that were on the list, um, I kind of, question you know i'm questioning the hunger games but you know i i understand it i've read the hunger games but with the gatsby i think that every sentence is exactly what it should be Mm -hmm. but you take a classroom in 2018 there there are lessons to be learned but i don't think as many lessons as there might be in the iron man story yeah um that's why it was so important for me right um getting back to to that um with 
your music and your love of music, obviously, um, that's on display here in the uh, in the classroom. Is there any way that you use that music to to communicate and to, to teach your students? My specific music? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> or just music in general, because it's it's apparent here that that it's very very important to you. And as a yes. drummer, um, have you used that in in your classes? Um, I always have music playing in the background lightly because I hate silence. Mm -hmm. I cannot stand silence. It gives me a headache. It okay. really does. So I always have light music playing in the background, instrumental. Um, I used to have an amazing project at the middle school called uh, a mystery story project, which you saw some of the dioramas mm -hmm. sitting around. But one of the choices of that project was also to make a movie. And they could make their own mystery story movie. It was a silent movie. And I always stressed that your actions and the music you put in the background told the story and gave off the emotion. So a lot of them would choose their own music to tell emotion in that project, which I always thought was such a great therapy, was how music can be the world's best and cheapest therapy ever, no matter what you need. Without a doubt. It's always there for you, whether it's something sad or Slayer, which is my, my go-to therapy session is just playing Slayer at home. Did my, you see the Did you see the farewell tour? Or? No, sir. I, I'm, I'm, I didn't either. I, <laughs> I I would love. You know, it's always like, oh, they're coming to town. We should probably go do that, and then oh, they'll be back. And I think I'd not. be I'd be too scared. I don't. I can't do concerts anymore. No. No. This I is part go, of. I don't go to a lot. This but, is part of getting older. I can't sit through a, a concert. Huh. I get the DVD and sit at home. Nice. Yeah. It's but anyway. Right. Yeah, it's cheaper. Have my own snacks and the bathroom is right around the corner. Bathrooms, right. You don't have to wait right. in line. But but again, I, you know, there's there are some shows that recently came to town. It's like you know I'm probably going to regret that. But um, but moving on. Moving. We on. took my son to see Trans Siberian Orchestra. Did you? Which was phenomenal for I Ike. hear they're amazing. You hear it and you have no idea how amazing they are till you see this this monstrosity. My son is seven. He's been drumming since he was two. Now I've been drumming since I was four. And he, at this moment, he is seven. He is better at seven than I was at, at 13. He's incredible. And he grew up, and still to this day, he loves Overkill, loves Motorhead, loves, oh. loves Lemmy, yeah. loves Iron Maiden. He, he knows all the words to his new Ghost songs. You know Ghost? Yeah, Fin. Sure. Oh, I love it. Yeah. My four-year-old knows Square Hammer like the back of his hand. <laughs> it's incredible. So we took Ike, only Ike though, to see um, Trans Siberian, and it was the it was thirteenth row, and it was just insane. It was like a Kiss concert met um, a Pink Floyd concert, and they had a Christmas time baby. It was unreal. There were so many explosions and and fireworks and just flying V guitars and long flowing hair solos. It was perfect for him because it was still like a family setting. Mm -hmm. But there, we were walking around beforehand, and we saw some guys like with an angel witch t-shirt and an Iron Maiden hoodie. And my son was like flashing the devil horns to all these older people. So we still had like our little metal community there with us. But that was great. I was always skeptical until I heard an interview with the founder and creator with Eddie Trunk on one of his shows. Uh -huh. And it just completely changed my attitude towards the, the experience. I mean, it sounds like it's a... Something you should see. Unreal. Needs to be seen. Two and a half hours. Really? It was incredible. It was so long. I had to leave. It was the longest concert ever. <laughs> I couldn't sit there anymore. I recently lost the the, the teacher. You know, I, I know that a lot of students um, growing up, and we all can relate to that one teacher that changed everything for us. Mm -hmm. And and I recently found out that that teacher for me has passed away. And it was and it was 
a throwback to that time, and I wanted to talk to you. Was there a teacher in your life that um, that changed it for you, uh, or was that had an impact on your life? I'd really have to go back to my dad, unfortunately, no. Because okay. like I said, I never really wanted to be a teacher. I never, I never did well in school. Mm-hmm. I did well in English. I did well in gym, and that was it. Hmm. I, I was never into math because there was no middle ground. Either I was right or I was wrong. Okay. Um, science was all just textbooks. And I went to William Allen High School okay. in the Allentown School sure, District. Sure, sure. And science was all just textbook reading, and I wanted to dissect, and I wanted to learn things with my hands. And history, to me, was – I was one of those like kids that said, history is all in the past. Why am I learning this? So I could write well, and that was all I really liked – um, I, I appreciated the teachers who looked like they wanted to teach. The ones who would put me down when I got something wrong, I remember them clearly as much as I remember the ones that helped me when I didn't get something right. So I wanted a teacher that looked like he or she wanted to be there every day. Hmm. And those weird little philosophies that I remember are what I try to propel into my weird carnival act every day. Okay. I want to be the teacher that I never had. Wow. And I want to be the teacher that these kids, I hope, need. If that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, we both had, but we both oddly have this mutual admiration for John Lewis, too. So there yeah. is that history side of things, too. Where did that come from? I, uh, well, it comes from David Letterman. I love David Letterman. Okay. I, I loved his nightly show. I would uh, record it every night till the day he left the airwaves. And I was thrilled when he came back on Netflix to have his little interview show. And the first one he had was uh, Barack Obama. And there was a segment in that where Letterman was walking over the bridge um, with John Lewis, uh, where John Lewis was beaten to what he says within an inch of his life um, back in the civil rights era. era. And at the time, I was teaching a unit on adversity. And I thought, I had just watched this interview with Letterman and this really sweet-looking little stern but so respectful man who has fought his whole life to simply have respect in this world. And you, you, you learn so fast that politicians are like 99% phony. And some of them just sound so phony. But then there's those one, that one little segment that just seems so genuine that you would love to hear them recite the phone book. And when I heard him talking as he and and Letterman were walking over the bridge, I thought it was the greatest lesson that I could teach, and this was last year at the middle school, 12-year-olds about civil rights and about just standing up and fighting for what you believe to be right. And that's um, what I tried to do. And I just loved to teach, because these kids at, at 12 years old had no idea who John Lewis was. But I thought, all right, here's my English curriculum. How can I throw him into my English curriculum? And I showed the whole segment of uh, Letterman's interview with John Lewis. Did you really? Yeah, oh, it was that's awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Got to keep the headphones on, but not pull the uh, mic off. Good reflexes, chest. though. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, coming full circle. Um, I noticed on the wall uh, on the whiteboard that there's a, a, a breakdown of the slate. Yeah. What's the slate? And how are you psyched? Oh man, you have no idea. <laughs> this is going to be the best. Is it? Yeah, because I love I love newspapers. I love journalism. I love I love newspapers, and they're such a thing of the past. I love holding newsprint, even though I read my news online. Like yep. I'll I'll go through the Twitter feeds of all the stuff happening, but I love newspapers. 
So from my former career in journalism, I did the little bulldog bark newsletter, it really was, at the middle school, which was great because I had a list of ideas for kids to sign up for once a quarter, and they loved it because they were writing about whatever they wanted to write about for no grade, and I put them all in like a little cool-looking newsletter format, but it was never a newspaper. It was never printed on newsprint. The co it was never in color. Here... No way. Oh, yeah, man. We're yeah. going to be rocking this. <laughs> it's coming out like late October, my first issue. When, when, I was, when I was moved over here, they said, you know, would you like to be involved? And I said, give me the newspaper, please. And the, the gentleman who you just met, Mr. Sander, outside, he was taking care of the newspaper, but not really like he just sort of did it because no one else, I think, was really on board doing it. And he's already doing student council. And I was going to say, he sounds like a very busy man. That guy is doing a lot. Plus, he has a new, a new child. Oh my! So okay. that takes up a lot of your time. So yeah. I was like, man, just give me the slate and just let me just blow this thing up. So. But now you're coming with from, at it from a generation of kids that grew up with a weaning newspaper in the house. You know, yeah. a lot of them may not know or have that idea of that or that love right. of what a newspaper truly is. Did you have any problems getting kids there or students? I should say. See, I do it all. No, I, I do it too. To, yeah, because they're still my kids. They're students um, getting involved in it. No, because they know my energy. And they nice. know my enthusiasm, and I think they feed off of, of my spirit, if you will. But what a wonderful opportunity to, to allow kids to write. Students, I'm sorry, I keep yeah. saying it. Students to write, students to take photographs. Is there going to be media in it as well? Yeah, man, yeah. Okay. And every page is in color. Wow. Every page is color. Um, we did a brand new logo for it, which is uh, Mr. Kern, who does amazing video production here at the high school. He made me a new logo. He did me a, a new flag for the front top. It just says the slate with our logo, and it's, it looks awesome. But I, I had a, a great meeting of about 30 kids uh, at the first week of school, and I have my own list of, of ideas that I was already compiling over the summer. And I just I hand out the ideas, and if they like one, they can sign up for it, or they can give me their own idea. And it's going to be a mix of school-related things and just pop culture things, stuff about The Walking Dead, American Horror Story, one person, one vote. I got a great article coming about, I'm just one person, why should I vote? And it's going to tell these kids how important it is that even though you are one person, you matter so much because what if the one person you thought should win lost by one vote? Now it's your fault. That'll be a great front pager, wow. perhaps. I got a three-part series coming out on why we hate, on where hatred comes from. And I have three different people writing each part from a different aspect of where hatred comes from. And in the final two issues, I'm going to turn that around and make it more like how can we spread some more peace in this world from this young standpoint, this youth movement. And I'm doing an Instagram page. Are you? Yeah. The, My uh, question was, are, 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 will the general public be able to see it outside of the school? Yeah, we're going to be delivering them out downtown and stuff. For real? Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to take a bunch down to the diner, down to uh, Sal's, um, where people just sort of convene. Um, the American Legion post. For sure. The hardware the store, yeah, library. library. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, that sounds great. I want to get this voice out there more than just within these walls. Wow. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I sometimes feel like I'm now the slate guy, and I also got to teach English. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel bad about that, but it's going to be just so exciting. My hardest part now is going to be how I'm going to fit all this stuff in to whatever number of pages I'm uh, going to make the district pay for. Right. 
but I but think. They, but they brought it up. They were the ones that encouraged. Nah, them, right? I think they'll be okay with it because it's going to be a great voice for these kids, and they're going to love it. And the Instagram thing is awesome too because I'm able to supplement the newsprint with the online media. So if I have one or two great homecoming pictures, say running on page two. I can say at the bottom of the photo, see our Instagram page for more photos. And then you go to the Instagram page and I can put 20 more pictures on there. Mm -hmm. So it's like a continuing nonstop newspaper of the slate. So old school, new school, media school. You got it. That's wonderful. It's a great mix of all that stuff. Right. Speaking of homecoming, that's tonight, right? Yeah, that's tonight. Big homecoming dance. Northern Lehigh won last night. They beat Salisbury. Solid. Yeah, that's good. Yeah? We had the pep rally. That was my first pep rally at a high school. Really? Yeah. I never went to the pep rallies. I had to. Did you? <laughs> well, I'm not saying this one. I'm talking about oh. growing up. Growing up, I never did. Well, we had to as well back when I went to school. But I had to go to this one. And now that reverts back to my uh, getting older. And it's just like, it was too noisy. Are all these kids yelling? <laughs> Sit down. But that worked, right? They won. They did. They, they did. won. Right. They showed their energy. Sweet. It's all about energy, man. When these kids fall asleep in my, in my class, which I don't, first of all, not that I'm getting cocky, but I don't know how you can sleep in my class because I'm so in your face. I'm so moving around. I never stand still. I can't sit still. So when they fall asleep, I, I try to think of different ways to wake them up. But I always, I always say, look, if I can't sleep, you can't sleep either. I want to see some energy. Plus, you have to be here. If you have to be here, I say, be here. Show me something. Mm -hmm. Show me some effort. Show me some energy. Otherwise, don't come to school. And I probably shouldn't say that. But whenever I ask them, why are you here? And I'll say, I'll cut them off. And I'll say, don't tell me because you have to be. Because no one picked you up this morning and plucked you into homeroom. So why do you have to be here? And then they're stumped. And so I say, all right, if you're going to be here, be here. Show me something. I want to see some energy. And that's how I'm trying to stay young. You are. I'm trying. You're a young man. Thanks, you keep man. going back to that. I know, and i got to stop bringing it up. I call myself Pop-Pop all the time, like in front of my class, and I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't make fun of my age. No, you shouldn't, because you are probably one of the youngest... Uh, men in this profession that I know because it's easy to get burned out isn't it yeah absolutely that's I mean, why that's we need summer hear. that's what you hear that's why you need summer yeah you do you have to recharge because okay. uh, uh, the general public you know it's always been the the the, uh, the telltale of the of the teachers mm -hmm. you know but I always say uh, my my take on it is always you want to spend you know eight hours and with a with a bunch of 30 kids and and teach you know that's exhausting right. because really you have to you have you talk about kids showing up you have to show up absolutely and there can't be a down day no and if I check out they check out right and that's not that's not what you're here for not at all we have to recharge we buddy do. of mine at the middle school he jumped out of a plane this past uh, summer you know I got a full sleeve tattoo um, Which is awesome. Buddy. Thank you. Yeah, it's all nature. Yeah. It's how we have to recharge. And, and people always forget the teachers over the summer take like a week or two off. And then even though we're on the deck, we're planning. You were just said, you just got done saying that you were planning the slate. Oh, my God. In the summer. I had all, I, all these ideas going through the summer. I was, I was looking at newspaper layouts. Yeah, man, it never stops. Hmm. If you're a teacher and you love teaching, your mind never shuts off. Wow. Which is great. But it's also overwhelming. Yes, it is. Because there has to be a time when you do have to shut it off. Is that when the drums come in? Yeah, drumming, horror movies, and my kids. Although my kids never shut off either. <laughs> so good horror films, what do you like? 
What have you watched recently? Uh, how much, well, how much time do you got? Dude, it's October. I know. Right? Every month is October. Right. Um, um, because I grew up, I grew up huge horror fan. Um, but my generation of horror kind of ended um, Halloween-ish. Okay? That's kind of where I stopped. I was a universal kid. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, me too. Yeah. Lugosi and Karloff and all those, all those great, great yeah. films. Um, and that's and and getting back into the silent era as well, which we talked about. Um, adding music to silent films. You know, if you ever just wanted to tweak it, just turn the volume down and put on whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It changes the entire dynamic of what you're watching. Absolutely, you know, based on what you're based on what you're playing. But um, what do you what have you enjoyed lately? I just subscribed to Shutter. Huh. It's like Netflix, but for horror movies. Really? It's incredible. It's like five bucks a month. And it's, it's, it's got all the great new Hitchcocks on. Not, not the new, but it's got all the Hitchcocks on there now. Hmm. So I was watching uh, Vertigo and Rear Window, which are just beautiful shot movies. Beautifully shot movies. One of my favorite movies. films is Rear Window. Yeah, it's yeah. just amazing. The color in that film is spectacular. As is Vertigo, I yeah. think, yeah. yeah. Um, Psycho is still... My mom still remembers seeing Psycho in a theater. Really? Yeah, and she said, like a lot of people, that she wouldn't take a shower for, for weeks because mm-hmm. of that. And that movie is just amazingly just so ahead of its time. Yes. With the twist ending and everything. Up until, I don't know if, if you've had a chance to watch Hitchcock's, um, uh, we talk, I do a, a film slot on the, on, the, on the radio show that I do, and we all just recently watched Frenzy, which was one of the last horror films that he put together and really pushed the envelopes. Oh. I think he was getting caught up in the idea that it needed to be more visual than mm-hmm. it was before but being Hitchcock being Hitchcock there was all these subtle um, subtle movements that just gave you the shit oh, that's the cool yeah absolutely <laughs> no, uh, um, my favorite movie uh, it depends on what you're asking here all okay. right my favorite horror movie is always going to be Halloween the original and yep. Friday the 13th the first two mm-hmm. because those were the movies when I was a kid that I would watch at like 1130 at night on channel 9 because they were always on TV and they just, to this day, like, you, I know it like the back of my hand, but they're just so much fun to watch. And just for the amount of money that Halloween was made for and just the timeless chills that that thing still gives you, it's just the greatest two movies of all time. And I'm hoping this reboot. That's what I was going to ask. Any interest in the reboot? I already have my ticket. Do yeah. you really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going the next morning on Saturday. I, I'm, and I ha- the only reason I'm psyched about it is because... Jamie Lee Curtis is psyched about it, and I hope she's not just bluffing. Yeah, because she she hasn't not been excited about it up to this point. Right, and, and all the interviews that I've seen or read with her, she sounds like she's super psyched. Right, which I'm I'm on board with her now. Right. So okay, good. And I like the idea that they're eliminating all the sequels, and it's supposed to just take place after the first movie. So even Halloween two, mm-hmm. the creepy one in the hospital, which there's nobody in that hospital anywhere. Anyway, <laughs> is uh, ignored. So it's all of it after Halloween 1. So I'm really pumped about that movie. Great. That'll be great to watch. The Exorcist, to me, yep. is the greatest horror movie of all time, especially because all of those stunts were, were built. I love the fact that they built, like, the green yep. pukes he, flying yep, out. Right. And like, none of it, there were no computerized graphics back then. I hate when these movies get so computerized. That they're just they they lose all that special quality like in Jaws. Yeah, I love all the documentaries that how many things went wrong in Jaws, and like the shark was supposed to be in like the first few scenes and he just never worked. 
So they couldn't have him in the movie till like 45 minutes, which made it better because you couldn't Correct. wait to see it. Correct. Love right. that. Yeah, I, you're, it's so funny because you're talking about um, an era of film that was probably my favorite, the 70s, um, that era of film, because like music of that time, uh, there were so many different changes happening. And Jaws mm -hmm. came along like Psycho. You know, it kept people from going Absolutely. to the beach. And uh, I remember seeing that. And that was my theater film. You know, mm -hmm. that was the one that I went to see and just forget it. You know, it was one of the best still is to me one of the top five films of all time absolutely love it even today you know to this day you have people at the beach going there and just yeah, to yeah. be funny because <laughs> exactly. they think exactly. it's funny now my my theater moment was the blair witch project really yeah because okay. that's I, think, I still have not watched that film and you're too late now and i'll tell you why and you can still try it out but i think you're too late because that movie was the the dawn of that found footage movie okay no one had heard of found footage and when that movie came out no one knew the actors in the movie it was billed and marketed as a real found footage movie like it, this was not supposed to be a movie this was stuff that was actually found mm -hmm. so the hype of this movie was so frightening that we were watching real footage of people camping trying to find some legend of a witch and it wasn't like an actor it was mind-blowing and when you went into the theater, there were no previews, there were no credits. Just the movie just started because it wasn't supposed to be a movie. Hmm. This was supposed to be real. And when you got that into your head, that you're watching actual footage that was found by the police, and it was released to make people aware of whatever, it was the scariest thing known to man. I went home from that movie, and I was a college-age kid. I went home from that movie so shaken and so freaked out. And there was really nothing in the movie that was frightening. It was all in your mind. But if you thought that that was real, it became such a monumental Psycho and Jaws moment. Hmm. And then, of course, the found footage genre just blew up. Right. And everyone just sort of mimicked Blair Witch. Right. So but if you was... saw it now, it would not really do much to you. Had you seen it back then when it came out as being this actual, genuine reel that was found by the police that they're just like gonna show to people, and there were no credits. When the movie was over, the lights came on, there were no names on the screen, it was awesome. Hmm. To this day, I'll still think it's scary, even though I know it's not, because I remember how I felt that night. For sure. It's for awesome. Sure. Hey, you know what, we're here, we've been talking for quite some time. Yeah, I can ramble, man. No, 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 no. You don't apologize for anything. This was really, really wonderful. And uh, you, you're here on a Saturday. You took some time out of your family schedule, out of the homecoming schedule. I guess <laughs> the kids are going to be like storming the storming the gates here pretty soon. Yeah, so. and their tuxedos and things. Yeah, right. So it's that kind of homecoming, right? I guess. Yeah, I got to put on like some slacks. Really? Yeah. I was going to say, now there there probably will be some loud music and dancing tonight. Are you ready for that? No, I, I hate them. <laughs> I would complain about the middle school dances. It was awful. Plus, they don't play anything that I listen to. They're not yeah, playing any Judas yeah, Priest. They're not going to play any Priest, which I did see, by, by the way, last year. How great is Rob Halford? How great is Rob Halford? The guy's Period. like a grandpa. And yeah. He's just amazing. Solid. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be as great as it was, and mm -hmm. it was really great seeing yeah. Judas Priest again. Legendary. Yeah. Um, but thank you. I want to thank oh, you for man, taking the time. And um, as the slate comes out... And as we get a chance to, to maybe see what happens with it, maybe I'll come back and we'll get caught up again. Oh, uh, I could talk forever with you. 
Right. Absolutely. Thank you again. Hey, if people wanted to, the, the students want to, they know how to, they know where you are. They can find you. But if anybody else out here wants to uh, to see what you're up to uh, on the socials. Oh, yeah. Uh, where can they find you? I do like the Twitter. Yeah. All right. It's uh, at the Mr. Barnes Show. Sweet. Very non-self-serving name. Uh-huh. And then on Instagram, it's at the Mr. Barnes Show. Mm-hmm. Again, very non-self-serving. Right. Uh, check out the slate, though. The slate is at the Slate News, and that's S L A T E. Yeah, yeah that's going to be awesome, man. Hey, one quick last question. Anything? You're a hockey fan. I am now. I'm brand new to hockey. Are you brand new? Never. To hockey? I barely know the rules yet, but my son is just amazing at it, so I'm learning it for him. Why hockey? Because um, you're you're a Mets fan. Yeah. Okay. I'm a. Uh, by the way, Red Sox fan. Oh, I'm I'm pulling for him. Postseason. Oh yeah. yeah. Last night was a little sketchy, but. Um, Oh, they have a great team this year. They got a great team. Um, he tried karate. Okay. He did karate for a little bit, and then my wife was like, hey, let's just try hockey. And he just he picks everything up so fast, from drumming to karate, and now he's just amazing at hockey. Okay. He's a great little rock star. Well, I just wanted to know if you had an opinion on the new uh, mascot. Gritty? <laughs> oh, my God. What? Who, who signed off on that? That's my question. My question. It's who signed off. That's a great Somebody question. Somebody wrote the check, you know? I don't know why it's even called gritty. Yeah, why is that? What does that have to do with hockey? And my sons have, both of them, have huge phobias of mascots, right? Uh-huh. So if we go to the Phantoms game, they don't even want to see Melvin, who just looks like a throwaway from Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. But if they see gritty... Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. Their eyes will bleed. Right. <laughs> I don't get it. All right. On that note, we're going to leave here. Thank you so much again for taking the time. Anytime, man. And it was really a pleasure. And I want everybody to know, this is the first time I've actually, we've talked to each other now for what, like three weeks? Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the first time we ever had a chance to sit down and talk one. And I'm sorry I never had your kids. I mean, I'm I'm thankful to know them through social media. And I I met Nina a few times at the... uh, at the uh, middle school, but I'm sorry I didn't have your kids, uh, but they seem like they're pretty cool little rock stars, too. They are. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of them. That's we're, awesome. We're yeah, you seem like a good dad. We're proud dads. That's a good. Yeah, we are. Sweet. Thanks, man. You got it, boss. Alrighty, Take care. You, too.